0: You know, these things are happening over and over. There was another one at a graduation in Georgia. And I had sent out an email. Oh, in fact, I had to apologize. We had a glitch in our email system. And so if you got an email and it said, Hi, F name. Did anybody see that? Yes. What did he call me? <laughs> no. First name. Friend, there we go. It was a glitch. Anyways, Kirk had emailed back and I. Uh, Kirk Henry, and I read it again, Psalm 121. In fact, I wanted to read that and pray before I get anything into the message. The promises, even in Psalm 121, we're never to get accustomed with the events in the world. And even uh, yesterday when I was looking up a few things, you know, I got buried in the stories because of the royal wedding. So you really had to look and find it. But listen to, to the scripture. In fact, this is Psalm 121. Five, six, seven, and eight. The Lord is your keeper. In fact, it's the word protector. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor by night. The Lord shall preserve, that's the word keep, you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this day forth and forevermore. The important part of the believer is to get ahead of these things and pray. You know, sometimes we just sit back uh, because things haven't happened, but we understand that we're in a fight. It's a daily fight. In Ephesians, as we'll be reading in these next couple of weeks, the Apostle Paul says, we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities and powers. So Father, we stop today. And we come to you, we take these great and precious promises and even declare over that area in Santa Fe that the Lord is their keeper. Lord, we pray over every counselor, every church, every ministry, every first responder, Lord, every family today that is still in shock, that you comfort by your Holy Spirit that you bring a peace that we don't understand, but a peace that would come and that you rally them around in the comfort of your grace and the power of your presence. And Father, we get ahead of these things, that it's not the flesh, it's principalities and powers. And so we declare you the keeper of our schools today, Father. The keeper of our schools, that you stop any threats you thwart any traps. And Lord, that we are be people that are also led by the Holy Spirit to pray. And so Lord, we do this today. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. All right, Mark chapter 10, verse uh, 45. Uh, and I want to kick off. In fact, my title today is All In. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 6, All In. But I wanted to come back. To Jesus, who's our example, and I want to read this verse, Acts 10, verse 45, for even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Think of his birth. His birth, he wasn't born in a palace He was born in a feeding trough. Uh, Even his life, if you were to follow around his life, he would go village to village to village. At one point in the scripture he said, I don't have somewhere to lay my head down tonight. They would sleep out wherever they are. He was constantly serving people. In his death, he said, I have the authority to lay down my life and I have the authority to raise it up. The Father has given me that. Even in his death, He laid down his own life, even in his resurrection. He wasn't out at an amphitheater with banners and flyers of his new thing. No, he was getting ready to go to his father, and he appeared to some of those even at the tomb. He was serving people, talking to people. And his ministry today, the Bible says that he's seated at the right hand of God, and he forever is making intercessions, prayers to the Father on your behalf. He's constantly serving. That's his heart. That was his ministry to serve. He was the one washing the feet. He started it off. Peter was the one that said, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. I got dirty feet. Well, then when Peter got an understanding, he said, oh, go ahead and wash all of me, top to down. So Jesus' life was that of serving. Now, then we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. This is a great, picture of the early church it's not a commandment for us this day but it should be our dna this should be our dna when we read this verse and it says now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and good and divided them among all as what as anyone had need as anyone had need you know, I love, I got an email from somebody that visited two weeks ago, and they, and they commented on the friendliness of the people that they met. Now, I don't care if he, he didn't mention anything about my message, right? I don't care. You know what I loved? I loved that it was you being friendly because I read that they were all together. There was a fellowship that took place. There was a genuine care and concern For somebody that came. That's part of the DNA of the early church. They were all together. There was this time of fellowship, being with one another. It's so important in these days that we're with one another. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, I am so glad I'm with you today. Tell them that. I am so glad I'm with you today. Now, if you couldn't find anybody to say that to, I'll find you, right? I'm so glad. Part of us coming together. You know, when I was growing up, I have two brothers i was the oldest i have a middle brother younger brother and uh we got along pretty good you know we wrestled in roughed houses and broke probably, i think every door in my mom's house and you know did the thing jumped off roofs did the did all of those things but when it came to like sharing pizza it's funny what comes out of you you know have you ever noticed a pizza sometimes there's bigger slices than other slices And so one of us, when the pizza came, decided that we would help serve everybody because what we would do was serve everybody the smaller pieces and we would keep the bigger pieces in the pizza box for us. And I'm sure none of you have ever done that before. The other thing that we did was if uh, mom came home with the bag and had fries in it, you know, fries for everybody, oh, you wanted to be the one serving everyone Because what you would do is you'd reach in and get a fry and you'd pull some out and drop it in the bag and then you'd lift out the fry, pass it on to the brother, get another fry, take a little bit more out and you would sacrifice and eat out of the brown bag. But the brown bag had a little bit more fries than anybody else at all. The same would happen with desserts or the ice cream. It was kind of like first come first serve and you knew if you missed dinner nobody was going to save anything for you. They just thought there was more to eat. Well, we're going to see a situation like this in the early church in Acts chapter 6 and how the apostles learned that people wanted to serve, wanted to be a part, wanted to to reach out to other ones. And so I want to to start this in Acts chapter 6. I want to read verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. And I'll come back and make a couple comments Acts 6, 1 through 8. Now, in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. Everybody say a complaint. Another the Greek word is an argument. Right? A complaint, an argument against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. "...because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, "...it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business." But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procorius, Nicanor, Timon, you know, you read that, you think it's Timon, right? No, that's not the old Disney one. Timon, Parmenius, uh, "...Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem, and a, many, a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs." among the people. So I'm going to look at this verse today. You know, uh, if you, to, there's two Bible scholars that are very well respected. One, uh, his name is B.H. Carroll. He estimated that at probably this time in Acts 6, there could have been 100,000 converts. Another one took a, a little more of a minimum approach. He said there was at least a minimum of 60,000 converts converts in Jerusalem because of the ministry that was taking place through the apostles. You know, the growth of this church in Acts 6 is now showing growing pains, right? It's starting, there's an argument now taking place, a complaint that is taking place, coming to the apostles about the needs that are being taken care of in the earth. Well, if we were to, uh, in the church, if we were just to read a few of these, it is pretty amazing uh, Acts 2 mentions 3,000 were added to the church. Acts 4 mentions 5,000 were added. And we read in Acts 5, Acts 13, and Acts 19 that there was an increase in disciples. The Word of God spread, and we read this a lot. The Word of God grew mightily. You know, uh, my pastor in my first church that I served in El Monte, There was a a little lady in the church. She was an older lady. She would complain every Sunday about something. No parking. Somebody took her seat. The air conditioning was too cold. The music was too loud. The sermon was too long. I mean, you you know, there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. You know, there's always something. And I'll never forget my pastor saying one time, he said, she'd complain if you hung her with a brand new rope. (laughs) I thought about that. Interesting, right? Some people are just like that. Well, here in this early church, when we're reading in Acts of all that is happening, you know, a guy that was laid at the gate beautiful that hadn't walked in 40-some years is walking, and now there's an argument back and forth. Have you ever seen these arguments in stores? You ever watch the news after Black Friday when people go shopping after Thanksgiving? Are they operating in the fruit of the Spirit in the store? Oh, no, no, you go, no, they're fighting and throwing one another, wrestling things around. Well, in, in Acts 6, it's the Greek-speaking Jews against the Hebrew Jews. There's a little bit maybe of a language barrier, but what the Greek ones are saying is, hey, all of the Hebrews, they're, all those widows are getting all the food, and we're getting left without. We're not getting anything. And so they come with that very first thing of arguing and complaining. You know, the early church had some struggles, if we read. Acts 5, uh, we have Ananias and Sapphira lying to the apostles about a parcel of land that they had sold. In Acts chapter 8, there was Simon the magician that wants to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. Even after he was saved, he wants to buy the power. And then in Acts 19, there are the seven sons of Sceva. There's black magic taking place. So the early church, even as we read in the book of Acts, wasn't without problems, but the apostles are now going to have insight into this one situation that we're going to see is going to change the makeup of the church to be able to serve all of the people in their needs. So here's the problem that's taking place. The widows there aren't able to receive their needs being met. And here's what possibly could have happened. If there was somewhere between 60 and 100,000 people in the early church in Jerusalem, many of them possibly had come from other villages and stayed. And so they were dependent on their needs being met from the church. As we read earlier, people were bringing things to the church so that they could either sell or give out. We had somebody just a couple weeks ago, and it was in one of our offerings, gave a smart and final gift card for our coffee cart ministry. Well, the day that I ended up receiving it, a family came that needed food. They didn't have food. And I was able to say, you know what? Okay, what's more important? You having coffee on somebody or somebody having food on their table? We were able to give that for food. So what was meant for one thing ended up being a blessing for a family that had need. And so the widows are being left out, and so they're complaining the apostles. We're not able to eat. We're not able to do anything. Well, let me go through some of the promises Uh, that God says, it's not just in this one thing that He says take care of the widows. It's all throughout the Bible that we read things like this. Uh, Psalm 68, 5. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. I love that bit, right? God is the defender of widows. Isaiah 117. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. You know, Galatians chapter 6, one of our readings today, 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary when doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Notice what it says, especially to those in the household of faith. James, one of the apostles, writes it in James. In fact, he starts off with James with chapter 1, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep one unspotted from the world. So here's what the apostles are doing. They're in the middle of an argument. They've got to be able to fix this. But they're also in that bit of, they're also preaching. And they're not wanting to give up or minimize that. They're trying to figure out how to do both. But what becomes so important is there's those that are also called that can begin to serve at the tables. In fact, we'll read it here in just a minute. Those that were chosen, how they were chosen. You know, I was thinking through at one of the churches that I was on staff on. I ended up overseeing um, the care department and a team that handled the benevolence of the church. And so you, you see a lot, of, a, a lot of needs, and we tried to do the best we could do in d- different situations. And I, I remember this one time, uh, we ended up getting a phone call late on a Friday evening. I was four or five hours away at a playoff football game, because Madison was, was cheerleading. And this one person was in desperate need to get their car paid. Uh, before it would get towed. So I can remember going up in the top of the bleachers and having to get a hold I'm you know, just checking on the amount, just trying to check different things. I didn't have access to, to look at anything. But we're on a three-way call. It's probably 7.30 at night. And when I get on to go ahead and, and help this uh, single lady out, they don't take American Express. It was the only card I had. Oh. So I ended up getting a hold of another pastor. He's having a root canal <laughs> done on it this Friday night. He's got a Mastercard or Visa, so I finally hear from his wife. I'm up at this game. People are the band. I'm up on the phone trying to hear this. We're trying to figure out this car deal uh, for this lady, and so we get a text back from the. the, He's going to do it in the morning. The only time he can do it, he's you know in the middle of a root canal, can't do anything. So I remember he gets up first thing in the morning. He calls and he makes this payment, uh, only to find out later that the car ended up getting towed. So, you know, you feel just so bad until you found out she had been behind probably like five months. And it was probably inevitable. And so even what we did didn't help. Well, then sometimes you get a little resentful, right? Like, you know, wait a minute here. Th- this thing would have probably got to totally didn't care what you gave. It was going anyways. But then that's where you have to come that the Lord's the defender. And that you try, even if I'm in a ball game trying to do whatever we can to try to serve somebody that it doesn't taint you to where you don't want to do it again. I had another lady. I was leaving. It was a Friday night. Uh, I was walking out, and here's a lady and a baby. And I'm telling you, this baby, had, it couldn't have been more than two months old. She had nowhere to stay for the night. And so we had a motel down from the church. And I ended up going down and getting her a room for the night. And when you say mo, it was the low motel, like it was one you feel bad. Uh, but I didn't know the person. But, he, you know, what do you do with a lady with a baby? We get a call the next day from the motel. They will never, ever, ever accept anybody that we sent from the church to that motel because that room turned into a drug room. They ended up calling the SWAT team. I mean, it was just they had to clear out all these people. Like it was one of those. Here's what it is. It's like you have that compassion of heart, and yet the motive on the other end uh, gets you burned. We had a young lady that came to the church and she would get, we would do bus passes and gift cards to like McDonald's and different places around. And she was homeless and she came one day and she wanted to repent because she would take those and trade those for drugs. So I traded all those resources in for drugs. You know, it's so easy to where you can build up to where the next lady that comes with the baby, that's a fake baby. Let me squeeze that baby, right? I need to see a birth certificate. That's not your baby. Where'd you find that baby? I'm not giving you a bus pass. You're going to sell it for drugs. So easy nowadays. How we need to be led, as we'll see Stephen, by the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Ernie and I, one, one of the weeks here at the church, three different times, somebody came, just dropped in and requested $25 for gas. And what was odd was it was different people for $25. So I made a quick call to find out. I just had this thought of what can you buy on the street for $25 and it was an instant crystal meth. It wasn't gas that they needed for the car. It was a a quick fix. We had another lady stop by. Uh, In fact, she had, I got an email on a Sunday night from the, no, it was a Saturday night from the library and uh, knew my name. Uh, the whole, I emailed my correct email, like Walter, my Walter at hillschurchacademy.org. I mean, the right email. I didn't know the name. Tried to look it up. Uh, she ended up coming in. I think it was first thing in the week, and she needed six hundred and some dollars to pay her storage. And you know, that's a six hundred and some dollars for something. Like you're behind. You know, you're behind. Oh no, no, no! I just got to get it out. I got to be able to get it today. Get all my stuff out. Something just didn't feel right. I just didn't. You know. One is all we had. I said, I can give you a food bag. I'm not going to take a food bag. I can't have sugary drinks. Okay, well, get you. You know, trying to get you water. Trying to do all that we can. I, and I said, let me recommend a couple churches. I've gone to every church. You're my last hope. You've got to help. Me. I remember that. You've got to help me. Made another call just to find out. You know, is this lady? How can we get help? And I, I went the call that I made, and I said, Hey, I have a lady at the church. Is she in a green van? yep she's got several store her scam is storage units and she goes around to different places and gets money for a storage unit Uh, oh i felt you know it's like one of those you, you hate to say no but on the end you have to be led you know you have to be led by the holy spirit he has to lead you and guide you you even have to pray for them here's what you can't do you can't be callous somebody says i want 25 bucks oh yeah you're gonna go do drugs today aren't you yeah you're gonna go do drugs Boy, you have to be led today. And you know what the early church did? The early church took care of needs. It's in our DNA, right? It's in in our DNA. And you can't help all of those other things, but even as you today, you can go pick up a community food bag and keep it in your car because if you come across somebody, you could give them something to eat. At least you did something to try to help. But don't ever, ever get to the place where you get calloused about it because it's so easy to do so to where you block everything out that you're not sensitive to what the Lord would say. You know, somebody might say, you know, these apostles need to be more hands-on. What's wrong with them serving tables? They need to hear some arguments now and then. You know, I don't know all the places that they were teaching. They were probably teaching every day somewhere in the different synagogues. But here's what I think they tapped into. They knew there were those that were called to operate in their gifts. And by doing so, by doing it all, they wouldn't be able to release those that were called. The apostles needed help, right? They needed help. And, you know, in Exodus chapter 18, it's Moses' father-in-law. And he comes and he sees all that God has done through Moses. But here's what he sees Moses doing. He sees Moses judging every person and situation. And he says, you need to put leaders out there. In fact, it's a great chapter to read, 18, that he begins to appoint people that operate in their gifts, in their callings, and in their ministries. So the apostles appoint uh, seven men. In fact, here's what's interesting. You'll notice some of the names are Greek. Well, who was complaining? The Greeks, right? Now, we're not picking on our Greek family at all. <laughs> they would be complaining. <laughs> but the, the Greeks were the ones that were complaining. And who they ended up having at those tables were some Greeks as well, too. In fact, we read Acts 6, verse 3 and verse 8. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we, we may appoint over this business. And Stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and signs among the people wait he's waiting tables you know what he's doing he's listening to people's needs he's caring about what they're going to he's he's giving out whatever they had need food you know we read earlier that there was property give all these different things he's listening to those he's caring for them He's funding, feeding, doing whatever, but here's what he's also doing. He's praying over them. And yet we read in the Bible that he's not only full of faith and power, but he did great wonders and signs among the the people. Ministry isn't just preaching in the service. Stephen shows shows us it's more than that. It's ministries taking place with anybody that's face-to-face to face, right It's not just preaching. I love when people say, you know I'm called to preach. I, I got a calling on me to preach, 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 preach and you say, all right, here's a broom. We've got a closet out there that need oh I don't sweep. I'm a preacher, right No, part of, part of that serving you need to go out back and sweep sweep out unless you've killed five cockroaches. yeah, you don't get to you move up at all right You got to sweep we want to see what you're made of. If people aren't willing to serve, they're not willing to preach. (laughs) Got to be willing to serve. You know, when I first started in ministry, uh, I'll make it quick. I was coming out of the police academy. And I ended up going to my church in El Monte, going to Bible college, and then ended up getting placed on staff. And my position, though we had no title, was probably uh, definition was maintenance. And here's what maintenance meant. We knew how to use a blower proficiently. We knew how to hose down every walkway. We knew how to vacuum, how to mop, and we knew how to paint. I did that for three years. I remember one Sunday we had to wear a suit to church on Sunday. And I remember one Sunday coming out of the parking lot and this family came running up to me. And they said, are you Walter? And I said, I am. And I was thinking it was now an opportunity like Stephen to pray over somebody that mighty wonders would take place. And they said, you're Walter? Yeah. Oh, good. you got to come to classroom floor. The toilets have all overflown. (laughs) Humbling, right? You go over there and say, all right, that wasn't some little kid that was in there, right? Who's... There's some big human. So here you are changing Sunday and you're fixing everything up. But you know what? It it teaches you. It teaches you that bit to serve. It puts it in your DNA. There's nothing that you won't do. There's nothing that you won't do. And part of that is just the process. And I think Stephen was, was like that. That he had that heart to serve and to care and to lead with people, but he had that heart to pray for them because many wonders and signs were done. Do you know Stephen and Philip of the seven are the only two mentioned later in the Bible? Stephen is our first martyr of the church. If you read on, what a powerful sermon that he even preaches. And even before he's stoned, they say his face looked like the face of an angel. Right? His, and you know who was standing right there holding coats? Saul, who would later be Paul. Philip, Philip's one of those great stories. You know, He's the evangelist. He's hearing a guy who's in a chariot reading Isaiah, and so he goes running up, jumps on the chariot, he says, do you know what you're reading? The guy says, I have no idea what I'm reading. Let me explain. Preaches Jesus to him. They find a puddle and baptize him. And then the Bible says he gets, he disappears, he gets translated to another city and starts a revival, right? He's preaching around. So here are two guys that started out just serving, and they're mentioned in Acts. There's action that takes place because they had that heart. And I go back to that. They listened, they cared, they fed, and they prayed. Notice what happens when everybody's using all of their gifts. The widows are cared for in the ministry. And the word of God, the Bible says, grows mightily. Either would have undermined the church. Either would have, it would have been a complaint every Sunday. Right? I didn't get food again. You know, I got all week without food. When are you going to deal with the food? No, because of the two things we're taking care of, the Bible co- talks about the continual growth of the church, or it was a new teamwork was understood that gifts and callings of God began to be in operation, and there was no hindering now the work of God because His word was preached and people were cared for. But I want to look at this as a, a miracle that goes unnoticed. When things are in alignment like this, you can just kind of read in the Bible you go through. But in verse seven, in fact, at the end, Acts six seven, it says this. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. If you look up the priest, those are the priests that were adamantly opposed to Jesus. Adamantly opposed to him. Adamantly opposed to his teaching. Probably cheered his crucifixion. Notice what it says in here. A great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. A great company of the priests now are obedient to the faith and have received Jesus and are in. Now, why do those things happen? It's because all of a sudden now everything is now back in alignment and even those that couldn't stand the ministry of Jesus have surrendered their life. The priests would be enemies, but now they're believers. So here's the thing we know. Everything in God's kingdom is spiritual in His hand. Somebody that hands you coffee in the morning. It's a spiritual ministry. Somebody that's serving you lunch today isn't just serving you lunch, it's a ministry. Somebody that greeted you today and said hello and handed you a bulletin or gave you a hug, it's it's a ministry. Anybody that sang, anybody that picked up, it's not a a task, uh, something to check off. It's a ministry. It's a gifting Somebody that's holding your little baby right now. And you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to go out for a little while and I'll be back about three. No, no, somebody that's holding. It's a ministry. It's those gifts and those callings in in operation. And I love the bit when we read this that we remember that everything is connected to somebody growing. Somebody accepting him. That was the way that the early church did it. And notice, here's what I wrote down at the end. When did the care end? You know, we don't read about it later. We don't know if it got cut off. You know, as I'm reading Acts 6, oh, I, and I know, you know, uh, when we read things in the Bible, many times we read it and say, "Hey, yeah, I want to do that, right? I want to do that, I want to do that. I want to knock down Jericho. I want to fight a lion. All right, you know, you go back. I know that this, as I read it, this was something spiritual, that it wasn't just about serving but that there was something that the Lord wanted to do through our church that care was increased that care was increased and I felt like we've done the things that we've done and the Lord any time we've reached out the Lord blesses us somehow some way because we've reached out to ones that can't do anything but my prayer has been Lord how do we increase our care how do we increase to see the needs out there so that we're not having to turn people that we're sensitive to the holy spirit and we're connected so let's come before the lord today because i think that's a that's a word uh for our church how do we in these days increase the care increase for the needs out there so father we come today many times what we want to do is solve it now yet what we do is we come to you. So, Father, we come to you today on, really on behalf of all of us, that every one of us has a gift and a calling. Every one of us is unique. In fact, you've said each of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. And you gave gifts to men and women. And so, Father, we pray today that you do a stirring up of our gifts The church got into alignment when everybody was serving and giving in their operation. And even those that were serving in an area that you wouldn't think great wonders would happen, great wonders happen. And that's what you want to do. But Lord, stir in us and let us take that word. How do we increase our care in being sensitive to your Holy Spirit, we pray. And before we go on, if there's anybody here today with every head and every... uh, I closed, And if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, you've never confessed him as Lord. I want all of us to pray this prayer, but if you have not done that before, I want you to pray it as the Bible says. We pray it in our heart and we speak it out of our mouth. Let's all say this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. And that he died for me me. I accept him as the Lord of my life my My Savior Savior. thank you for bringing me into your family thank you for for forgiving me of all my sin sin. in Jesus name if you prayed that today please uh, come see us at the end of service to pray for you there's also a card in several of the seats to connect, most important decision you can make is Jesus is Lord. Well, stand with me if you would. We're going to close uh, in a song, uh, time of worship, and then Michelle will close us out.